Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I'm joined by guest Ben Manley, who's the founder of Knapsack. And Knapsack does Squarespace web design. And I'm actually a, a past client of Knapsack. And it's, uh, I was saying before the show that of all the web developers I know, web developers, web designers, I probably know 500. And I, I have only ever recommended a handful. And Knapsack is one of the few that I'm, I'm able to recommend because what they do is so clear and so specific that when I meet someone who needs exactly that, they just pop into my head. It's like magic. So, yeah. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. What can you tell folks about your background? So, so how did you get started in web design? Uh, that's a good question. And thank you for those kind words, too. That, that's like music to my ears. I love it <laughs> when people get, get what we do and makes it easy to, for us to be recommended. I, I, su- I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, my really start in web design was I, I started out just doing graphic design and print design for uh, clients, you know, freelance projects and stuff like that. And, and how long ago was that? Oh, man, I, I started when I was really young. So probably when I was eight or nine, I started doing like little HTML things, um, some like graphic design. I was homeschooled, so I did a lot of stuff in my school projects. I would use design in my research papers and just implement design in every subject I could just because I loved it. Um, so I have a definitely a deep history in just loving design and, and learning as much as I can about it. Um, and web design probably started, I, I started by doing more like Photoshop and sketch work, stuff like that for um, a large university that I was working at. I was the senior designer for a while, but I didn't know anything about development. Um, So I did that. And what was cool though, is I discovered Squarespace and that was kind of super uh, exciting to me because it's like, wow, I could actually build anything I want here without necessarily having to rely on a developer to replicate what I'm designing exactly. So that's when I got really excited about web stuff because I was like, oh man, I can do it myself now. So that's kind of where I started. Wild. So were you, I'm curious how old you were when you did the college. I'm assuming the college thing was a paid gig. It was. Yeah. Um, that was about, let's see. Um, that was five years ago. So yeah, I guess I was, I left there when I was like 27. So like 22 to 27, I was, I was, a a designer for more like user interface stuff, some apps, some web stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Cool. All right. So then fast forward to the creation of Knapsack in the first place. So when, when did that happen? Uh, that happened in, uh, 2013 technically is when I went full time. I started the business a little sooner, but I went full time in 2013 and it was kind of a decision of, you know, I was, uh, working about 60 hours a week because I was doing both freelance as well as working at my job at the university. I just kind of wanted to choose one or the other because I had two kids at that time. Um, and I had gotten to the point where I was making equal amount on my freelance work as I was at my full-time job, you know, 20 hours versus 40 hours. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I, there's there's something, <laughs> it's a pretty clear choice here. So I, I set myself a, a three-month goal to um, hit a certain amount of revenue with those 20 hours. And if I could do that, then I decided I would go full time. So, um, that's what I did. Great. So a lot of people have that sort of crisis of faith when they're, when they're going to start a new thing. And you know, it's, you basically had, you basically were working two jobs at once. So you're kind of like, oh, I'd like to make the leap into this other thing. So working crazy hours, you prove to yourself that, well, geez, if I could put more time into this, I could probably make uh, as much or more money and not have a you know boss air quotes i mean you still have clients and stuff but right. um you know 
perhaps more autonomy. Were you going into for the university job? Did you have to like go there or was it remote? Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, 40 hours a week, you know, sit in your cubicle type of, of job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, at the time that you were sort of moonlighting as a freelancer, were you billing hourly? Were you giving people fixed prices or what was the, what was that looking like? Yeah. At that time I was billing hourly. Um, I think I uh, actually, you know what? I, in some cases, I was billing hourly, keeping track and billing based on that and giving like an estimate up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in other cases, I was doing more like project-based stuff and I would just estimate my own time hourly, you know? I'd be like, okay, 50 bucks an hour, okay, it's probably going to take me this much time. And then I would give them a flat rate because I thought customer experience-wise, it was better to give a flat rate. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes, you know, it screwed me over if I wasn't accurate with it, so. Right. And you didn't have any employees then it was just you? Correct. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, you had that sort of period of time where you're like, you know, am I going to, can I hit these revenue numbers? And you did. So what did that look like once you finally went solo? Yeah, it was super exciting. Cause I was like, man, I, if I could do this in 20 hours, what can I do with 40 hours a week? You know? <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, honestly it was great for my health. Like I lost a decent amount of weight. I got in way better shape. I was less stressed. Um, just in general, like life was definitely better. Um, but I also, you know, I realized that as I was getting more and more projects, like, you know, my rate, it seemed high to me at the time, but I was like, I know that I could do more. So then I started bumping up my rate from, you know, 50 to eventually, I think I bumped it up to a hundred an hour for design. Um, I think I actually doubled it right away. I didn't like, I don't think I made any steps in between, but I tried that and, I didn't really tell people that my rate was changing. I just basically would quote them project-wise instead of like hourly. If that makes sense. Oh, interesting. So, so when you did go solo, in your mind, you had an hourly rate, but you were giving people right. sort of a time and materials price. Exactly. And and did you? Okay, so we got a bunch of questions there. Did you ever underestimate something so badly that you kind of went back to the well and was like, oh, well, you guys changed a bunch of things and I'm going to have to, you know, you're going to have to do a change request and any of those shenanigans? Um, not exactly. I mean, I would kind of push back if there was a big scope change a little bit, you know, and be like, hey, you know, this isn't quite what we talked about because I would give them something written ahead of time. So, yeah, in a way, I would have to be like, okay, you know, this is a separate project or something, which, you know, they were understanding about. Mm-hmm. But it was always kind of, it was, could be a pain in some situations. Right. And now, was this all Squarespace stuff? Um, at the time, I hadn't specialized 100% in Squarespace. So, we were doing a lot of, like, honestly, we even did, like, I did interior design at one point, like stage design, like so many random things that kind of came our way that I was like, oh, this, this could be a fun project, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I could do it better, you know, than, than they know how to do it, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And we did some fun stuff, but obviously, unless you specialize, you start wasting a lot of time figuring stuff out on every single project. So definitely Squarespace was our sweet spot. So it started kind of doing less graphic design, less of all the other stuff over time. Yeah. I call that like that sort of skittering across the surface. Like it's like a sugar high. It's like super fun for, <laughs> yeah. you know, the first 10% of the project. And then it's like, oh man, this is actually hard. And, <laughs> you know, so you, you said we a couple of times you didn't have employees yet. Did you? Um, so I, I didn't have a full-time employee for, I think it was, 
I think I worked full time for about a year by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have contractors um, that I was working with to do portions of what we were doing. So when we started doing Squarespace, we actually used the developer platform. So I was designing stuff in Sketch and giving it to a developer to actually build out in the developer platform, which is really powerful, Squarespace. Um, and that was kind of our approach originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did have a team. Anyway, that kind of evolved and changed later as Squarespace templates became more advanced. But that's kind of the approach we took at the time. So I just had a few contractors uh, locally that I would, you know, use for certain uh, parts of the projects. And how would you, uh, and I'm assuming they build by the hour or no? Um, yes, they did. Mm-hmm. So how would you deal with that when you would give a fixed rate and then you're, but you're hiring people by the hour? I just made there made sure there was a good margin, <laughs> right? And and made sure like that they were the ones estimating it and not me because they're the expert. You know what I mean? Like that's one thing working at in a big company sometimes. You know, somebody else is is estimating your work for you and did didn't get to talk to the customer. You know, all those types of things. Right. Um, so, you know, it wasn't perfect, but um, I made sure there was enough margin there that even with an error, we'd still make some profit on it. Yeah, that's an important point. Okay, so what was the was there a moment when the penny dropped and you were like, you know, why are we doing stage design and why are we, you know, <laughs> I don't know, doing Rails and WordPress and Squarespace? Why don't we just focus down on just this one thing? Because a lot of people, to, to a lot of people, that feels like an existential crisis. Like if we stop taking on every single heartbeat with a checkbook that comes through the door, then we're, you know, if we stop taking them all, then we'll only be taking a percentage and we're already, you know, not making as much money as we want, or we're already working harder than we want. So, so how did, was that a big, so a whole bunch of just questions really is, you know, did it scare you? How did it even occur to you? Or was it just sort of an organic thing where over time that ended up being the only kinds of projects you took on? Yeah. Um, it was several things. One is I've always known that being specialized was important. I mean, you always hear it and it's, it's always scary to do it yourself, but you tell other people that it's a good idea. You know, <laughs> uh, it's like, you should specialize. Like, I don't want to leave that money on the table or, you know, whatever it might be, or I, Hey, I need to feed my family, you know? Um, thankfully, I mean, there's a, a couple different factors. One is that I really enjoyed the website design part of things. So I put in a lot of effort into that. Um, and so I think that helped me specialize. I also, I think it was just, you know, the the value that that brought to businesses versus other types of design. Like a website's like one of the first things you're like, yes, I need a website. And people realize it's valuable and it actually brings them business versus like a graphic here, graphic there, or even like video, which is super valuable. At certain levels, businesses don't see it as an essential. Right. Um, so choosing websites made sense for that reason is in that the market is huge for it and that it's kind of an essential. Um, and then also another really cool thing happened, which was that Squarespace reached out to us, um, uh, by seeing some of our work and said, Hey, can we list you on our specialist page, which at the time had like four people on it. And so they listed us on there and we just started getting, you know, multiple leads a day every day. And that's actually how I decided to bring our, first employee developer on full time because we were getting so many leads I couldn't even keep up with. So it was, it was, that was another factor was like, not only did I enjoy it, but we started like drowning in like possible projects. So it was like, you know, why even try for the other stuff when this is kind of where we wanted to go anyway. Um, so I focused on that. So what I would call that, what I usually talk about, sorry, when I'm talking about this, um, that's what I call a platform specialization. 
so you like a sort of a, a Squarespace expert. I have students who are FileMaker experts and they're listed in the FileMaker partner program. I have friends who are Shopify, you know, same thing. Uh, uh, Salesforce, all the, you know, Facebook ads, these sort of like platform specializations where the business owner has picked a platform of one kind or another and, and they know that they picked it. Uh, right. And they know that they're looking for someone who knows how to do it. So there's they're, um, educated is not exactly the right word, but they're educated about the the what's under the hood enough to know that they picked FileMaker or they picked Squarespace or, or whatever. They've already made that decision. And now they're like, OK, we need an expert who knows how to use this platform because we know that, you know, whatever it is, we know that this new project is beyond our capabilities or we don't have time. We'd rather have our uh, internal resource be working on other things. So, uh, that, that is super effective. And, um, you know, there's always the issue of like, well, what happens if the platform tanks? But, uh, you know, with any right. of the ones I've mentioned, even, even FileMaker, which has been around for like, I don't know, 25, 30 years, it shows no, no indication that that's a problem. But, you know, anyway, so, okay. So it was, it was obvious that you were, you were, this was the obvious choice. You liked it. You were getting tons of leads overnight. What do you remember? What or how long ago was this? Um, that was probably 2013, 2014, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. So do you remember what what it was like when you all of a sudden were getting lots of leads, like more leads than you can take on? Obviously, you hired someone, but did you find yourself uh, raising prices or getting super picky about who you worked with? Did you get overwhelmed with um, answering the leads? Did you set up systems for? handling them or did you just kind of like or was it just kind of like a fire hose and you just <laughs> grabbed whatever you grabbed and whoever got back to you first ended up with the gig and then you were you booking things in advance or you know all these things what what happened at that right. point at that point a couple of things one it, i felt super stressed because two of the biggest principles at, at knapsack are um great quality you know creating great quality design and second is um, an awesome customer experience so to me like someone not receiving a timely reply to their request or like being able to give them a good answer one way or the other um was like super stressful to me because there were so many coming in um so actually when i hired uh, the developer part of his job was actually to respond to leads as well because i, I knew that was just a really important part of things i mean unfortunately even with that we weren't able to give everyone as much you know time as i would have liked so we just asked some questions up front basically we filtered a little bit by saying cool hey thanks for getting in touch here's how we work um, so we talked a little bit about how we did projects at the time and then also said like, Hey, here's, here's a typical budget for a project that would weed out some, you know, so, um, you know, price wise, that was mm -hmm. a way of, of more easily kind of choosing projects as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of what we did at first, um, just to kind of, to be able to make it more digestible. Did you get picky at all about the kinds of businesses they were, you know, like did a business come through the door that, I don't know, like I have a friend who just turned down, a like a, a military contract because it's just not his, you know, he was like, I don't want to promote that. Like, was, was there any of that right. or were you just really just, 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 you know, treading water, trying to keep up with all the leads and you weren't really being picky about it in that way. I'm just curious how, I'm just curious how picky you yeah. got. Yeah. I'd say we got more picky about the attitude of the client and whether we thought they were a good fit personality wise and business wise than it was about what industry they were from or anything mm -hmm. like that. I mean, there's always ethical concerns that we keep in mind, you know, in certain situations, but I mean, you know, 
I'd say it's mostly, you know, based on is this project going to be a good fit for Squarespace? Is it somebody we would enjoy working with? And it's something we could like do actually something we're proud of with, you know? So that was some of our criteria at the time. Cool. Okay. So what did, once you, you know, filtered, once someone made it through your filter, what was the proposal process like? Did you, you know, uh, like kind of paint the picture? Did you have a phone call? Did you, what was it like? How long did it take to put a proposal together? All that. Yeah. Um, so back then our process was a lot different than it is now. So we did, we would actually, I had like a proposal template I would fill out, you know, take an hour or two to write that up probably most of the time. Um, but first we would, I mean, one of the things we, we implemented almost immediately is we started meeting with everyone over video chat for the first meeting. That was another thing that kind of filtered out clients too. Actually, I mean, we probably lost some people because they're like, oh, I don't want to do video chat, you know, they want to do a phone meeting. But I don't know, for me, like phone meetings are so exhausting and video chat is great because you can kind of get to know each other a little bit more. It's a more personal and you can actually like read body language. There's just so much information lost in phone calls. Um, everybody has to be fully engaged in a video chat, which is helpful. So we did that first. After that, we would uh, write a proposal for them, send it over and, you know, see see what they had to say. This is going to um, sound stupid, but what kind of questions would you ask them in that phone call? How long, or the video call, how long was it? Um, that, did you have like particular questions that you asked? You just kind of like, tell me about the project. Yeah, um, man, it's hard to remember back then exactly, but I think it was about 30-minute calls at the time. Um, and, I mean, we didn't go super in-depth on the first call. Um, at this time, we were doing longer projects, like probably eight-week projects and stuff like that. So it was, a, it was a longer kind of process. So we would do, like, an initial call. And then after we kind of did a proposal, we do a more in-depth discovery call, like, after that, once we kind of identified stuff. Um, but it was more stuff like, you know, kind of really basic stuff, um, like what pages are you thinking of, just from their perspective, just to get in their head of like, what are they thinking, whether we use those ideas or not, just like, hey, like what's the purpose of this website? What pages do you, were you thinking of including? What is some functionality that you need to have on the site so we can even tell them, hey, Squarespace is or isn't a good platform for you, stuff like that. Right. And if you're doing, if you're doing time and materials quotes, you also need to have some idea of the scope at that point. Exactly. So it's mostly scope related questions. Um, and, you know, maybe getting a few examples of things that they like so I can tell how uh, choosy they might be. You know, like some, some clients have really specific tastes, which means that it's going to be more illustrations or whatever it might be. So I have yep. to keep that in mind too. Yep. yep. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. So then you would uh, give them a proposal and then there'd be a deep, you know, and they would green light it or not. And was it basically just one price? Like, here's, here's the price. Um, that sort of thing? Did you offer any guarantees or were there options or, you know, like what was that like back then? Yeah, we usually just gave out a, a kind of a yes or no proposal price. And you know, with the, with the proposal, we'd always say in the email, you know, hey, let us know if there's anything on here that, you know, you'd like to tweak or if you have questions about anything and we can, we're, we're always open to discuss, you know, possibilities if, if this doesn't work for you mm -hmm. to kind of leave the door open, you know, if they were interested in changing something, but sure. yeah, we do pretty much just one, one option and keep it simple. Okay. And then one that they say yes. And then did they, uh, how, did you like invoice them weekly? Did they pay hundred percent upfront? Did they pay in installments? Yeah, we did. Um, I believe we did like uh, thirds. So we had three, is it thirds or do we do fourths? I can't remember exactly, but I, we, we had three phases for each project. It was the content phase, design phase and development phase, which is pretty typical. Um, and so I think we did it 
Oh man, I think we did it in thirds. But anyway, it was basically a, you know a third up front and then a third in the middle of the project after a certain deliverable and then a third at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you say and you said I think about eight weeks these would take. Yeah, it would be eight weeks. Sometimes it really depends on project, but anywhere between like six to twelve. Okay, and now the reason I'm grilling you on all this stuff that you don't even do anymore is because I want people who are listening to identify with the way you used to do it. Sure. Which I yeah. think everyone will. In fact, I think even back then when you used to do it, it was it's fairly similar to what people do, but still you weren't billing hourly. You were estimating right. based on your hours and scope and all that. But still you were, you know, you had somewhat of a process, but it's going to sound very familiar to most people. Um, right. So let's fast forward to, well, I, I know, you know from experience, having worked with you, I know that it's very, very different now. So how did that transition take place? Was it like an overnight thing? Did Was there an epiphany? Or did you just slowly realize like, oh, you know what? That last project went really well. Why don't we do more like that? Right. Well, it was it was funny. It kind of, it was very sudden at some point, but it also snuck up on us. So the process developed kind of organically just in that I have a lot of friends that have their own businesses that <clears throat> I didn't want to kind of charge um, to do work for them. I know that's whatever, you know, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. We'll friends and family that. discount. But <clears throat> exactly. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to help them out and it was smaller stuff. So I was like, Hey, let's just hang out over lunch. Um, I don't want to like do free work for you at home, but Hey, if you want to like hang out and we can just like be at the office or go grab lunch and I'll design you a logo over lunch and I'll do that. That way you have a stake in how much time it takes me as well. So I'm not like working hours on my own. So that was kind of my, my idea. <clears throat> and then it, I started realizing that it was really fun and quick and easy to where I was like, wow, like, why don't I start trying this with actual clients? So then I tried it with a few clients that I thought it'd be easy to do or projects. I was like, oh yeah, I could do this logo pretty easily. I already, they already know what they want. You know, they'll come in and I'll show them, you know, what I'm doing and just make live tweaks instead of trying to email back and forth about it. And that, that was cool. And then I was like, you know, like, getting pretty fast at Squarespace. If I had a decent plan going in, I feel like I could do this, you know, live and in person with somebody. So I did it with one of my friends. Uh, we did like a half, like a four hour project and built him a really simple Squarespace site, like in an afternoon. And I was like, this is really cool. Um, and at the time also Squarespace was starting to improve their templates to the point where it didn't really make sense in most cases to do like a custom development platform site. Because most of the functionality that you would need, like, you know, 80-20 rule, you're going to get most of it out of one of the Squarespace templates. You could spend way more time and get slightly better, but not really worth it in most cases. So I was like, man, you know, what if we just focused on, you know, customizing these templates and just being creative with the graphics to make them feel custom? Um, And started doing that. And I don't know if you want me to talk exact pricing. I can kind of tell you, like, what we started at and how that stuff Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think first time we did it, and I was like, man, this is, this would be crazy. What if we just, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if it'd work or not. I was like, oh, okay, what if we tell, you know, it'll be a thousand dollars. I'll do it in a day. Um, this photographer will come, you know, to our office, and we'll just build it out. We did that a couple times for a thousand, and then. So the photographer was the client. The photographer was the client. Okay, right? so and you and you were like, huh? So it came in as a regular lead, a Squarespace lead. Do you remember? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, I don't remember if it was from Squarespace. This was a local person. So I only started doing it with local people because I could be with them in person. Right. So the local photographer. So they came into the office, basically, sat, and what they did is they brought all their stuff with them. Like, here's my photos. Here's my content. Um, hey, can you help me, you know, build this out? Um, and so I was just like, all right, cool. Let's figure it out. Let's look at some templates. Let's 
get started. So it's literally like starting from zero at eight o'clock in the morning, like, all right, what kind of website are we going to build? <laughs> so it was, it was definitely rough first few times, but it was like, okay, let's, let's see how this goes. They loved it. I mean, they were super happy with what they got and they loved the experience of being along, there along the journey to see how it evolved and have input. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was like the, the first couple ones I think we charged a thousand for. And okay. So then- yeah, let me, let me ask a couple questions about that. So, um, did you, the, the part, the photographer, let's say Jane, mm-hmm. did, did you give her a price? The thousand dollars was like, you said, Oh, well, what if we try this thing? I'm trying this new thing where you just come in with your stuff and we just build it in a day. It'll be a thousand bucks and you can pay me when you get here. Or like, how did that work? I think I did 50% up front, 50% in the morning and 50% at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I can't remember. I think I had them pay, you know, 50% up front to reserve the day. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what I did. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and I, I'm going to imagine, I'm sure you've dealt with this in the past. I'm going to imagine there are designers in the audience who are cringing because <laughs> you're, you're the designer and the client is right there kind of bossing you around. So mm. can you kind of talk about that? Cause I know that's not actually what happens. So can you kind of, kind of allay that fear? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of layers to that. One is obviously like your confidence as a designer and how you present yourself as a professional and lots of things. Um, but it's also about choosing the right clients. I basically tell most of the people we work with like, Hey, you know, if you're looking for somebody just to move things around the screen for you, we're really expensive for that. You could hire somebody else to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you want somebody that's going to be a partner in this and that understands the web, understands Squarespace and is going to utilize it to the best, you know, from our perspective, you know, putting in our, skills and you bringing your industry expertise, then we're going to do something awesome. It's a partnership, you know, mm-hmm. not a, not a, like you come in and tell me how to move stuff around. Um, you know, not in a rude way, but just like setting like, Hey, this is, this is what you're paying us for. And this is how you can get the most value. Um, yeah. And, and at the time I'd say now our process is even different from that, but at the time it was a little weird for them being there the entire day, you know, and seeing yeah. pretty much the whole time. It was exhausting, you know, too. It's like working through this and talking with the client pretty much the whole day as you build it. But it was also rewarding because at the end you got something that was, that was cool that you liked and the client liked. But yeah, we didn't have too many problems with people, you know, being like, Hey, move this here, move that there. And the one thing that I've learned over time is just the way you ask questions to someone, how you ask for feedback is you speak with some authority and then you also say, Hey, um, instead of saying, what do you think about this? Like you say, like you ask for specific feedback of like, Hey, um, would you prefer a font that's a little bit more on the professional side or do you want to go for traditional or modern or like, what's the feel you're going for? And then I would present options. Like here's some thoughts that I have on that instead of being like, do you like this one or that font? Right. Yeah. That's great. I remember you guys did that with me and it works. It worked perfectly. Okay. So now let's fast forward a little bit more. And you were like, did a few of these, you had a few of them under your belt and you were like, Oh, this was this was great. This is great. Like mm-hmm. we're getting this. I, I can't imagine like the sense of, uh, I guess completion is the word I'm looking for that comes from like, you know, going from like six to 12 week long projects and email communications back and forth and trying to manage scope and get requirements and all of this stuff down to one day must yeah. have been like just dramatic. You know, you, you mentioned sort of, um, quality of life earlier. I have to imagine that this was a, another big step up in terms of like decreased stress. I, you know, once you got <laughs> sitting next to the person eight hours and switch <laughs> to the, so let's talk about the switch to the new, the, 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 the process I'm familiar with or whatever you're currently doing, if it's evolved since then and talk about the difference between, uh, that and the, the, you know, previous iterations. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And to answer your question about, you know, was it <clears throat> was was it a um, slow change or a, a big change all at once? Well, it was slow because we were learning this over time, but I didn't really recognize it as something that I could switch to as an entire business model, you know, right away. I just kind of knew, okay, this is kind of a good option for some smaller projects, you know, and we weren't doing, honestly, those sites were so bare bones. Like we didn't have really many icons. We didn't have, you know, a lot of backgrounds. It was really just kind of using Squarespace for them, not adding the layer of customization that we do now. Mm. So it's very basic. So I didn't really recognize it as a replacement for these other things at the time. But <clears throat> over time, it was kind of funny. We had a couple of big projects. And it was one difficult thing with a small team and big projects is that if one customer goes off timeline, all your other projects are screwed or you're stressed out. You know, mm -hmm. like the timelines all get out of whack. Um, so that was kind of what was happening when we decided to make the switch. Like we had a couple big projects, had a four person team at the time. And one of them just kind of like totally bombed. And it was like, okay, this client, you know, decided, all right, we're going to actually, you know, go somewhere else with this. They kind of, changed their mind on it and we didn't have any other products lined up um and we had been slow for a while so i was like you know what like this is the perfect chance you know when this project is over we're gonna do our part and make sure we finish up everything we can on our end to do what's right on this and then we're going to just go all 100 percent in these one day projects and i i think i at that point i think i named it the day pack or maybe a little bit before that i was like okay day pack that's a good name for this you know our name being knapsack going with the whole outdoors theme and all that stuff you know so all right day packs the name we're gonna go go all in with this and i think i definitely think uh, in a way i think the team was nervous at the time but also i think they were excited you know that we were just kind of like drawing a line like we're gonna do this we're not it was kind of like going off a cliff and trying to build your parachute on the way down you know yeah yeah so a lot of people cannot do that like is there something about you that you think is just innate or was it just did you have enough data that you were like, you know, this is a calculated, this is a risk, but it's a calculated risk. Like how risky did it feel to you? Um, honestly, at the time it almost was like, it was the only thing that made sense. I was like, I, I don't want to keep doing the other way I'm doing it. You know, it's not good enough. Like it was almost like I didn't want, even if we could get more products, I didn't want to go back to that because I could see that there was something so much better. I guess I just believed in the idea and I knew that it would work. Um, but yeah, it was still a risk, but I knew like, Hey, usually when, when I come against a risk, I do the exercise of like, think about what is the absolute worst thing that could happen in this situation and then decide if I can accept it or not. And I mean, worst thing that could happen is like, Hey, I go back to doing freelance on my own or I go back and get a job, you know, like what's the worst that could happen. This could change a lot of things and I I've seen what it can do for people. So the upside is huge. The risk is pretty low. So right. let's do it. Yeah. People have a tendency to overestimate the risk. Like even a tiny risk feels like oh, a saber toothed tiger is going to jump out and eat me. So, right. so, okay. So take us through the current most modern process that you do now. Sure. Um, yeah, I can do, do it from start to finish. Um, so basically we get, you know, a lead in, um, an email. We email back and forth maybe once or twice just to gather some basic information, kind of see if they're a good fit for us in general. Sometimes we include pricing information in that email. Sometimes we don't, just depending on how busy we are or how good the lead seems. You know, um, it just really depends. Um, <clears throat> and then basically, first step is pretty simple. We set up like a 30-minute meeting with them uh, over a video chat, and kind of discuss um, their project, ask some similar questions to what we did before. Uh, but we we probably explore their project for about 20 minutes or so, and then we 
explain our process basically for the next 10 minutes um, and how we work. So that's kind of the first thing. It's just that initial meeting. And at the end of the meeting, the cool thing is uh, we can basically give them a quote there on the call because we have a set, you know, fixed project price, which now is, um, it, and this may change here soon in the future, but our current project price is $3,600 uh, for, for a one day, day pack project. Um, and so basically we just say, hey, like here's, you know, um, here's exactly what it will cost you. Um, and then the, the cool thing about it is we can say, all right, here's some specific days in the future when we could actually have your project completed. And so they can imagine by this date, my website will be done and it's going to cost me exactly this much money. Um, and they can see the results from our other projects. So it's kind of a cool thing to be able to, you know, it's, people ask you, what does the website cost? And it's always like, uh, I mean, depends. It depends. But and yeah. I can say, I can say a number, um, <laughs> you know, and it, it's 90% of the time it'll be accurate. You know, I can say, Hey, it depends, but this is usually what it costs for 90% of our clients. Yeah. And it, let me just pause there for a second, because a lot of people listening are probably web designers and web developers who have never paid anyone to make a website for them, you know, sort of cobbler shoes thing. And I can, t you know, and as a former web developer, I guess I'm always a web developer at heart, but having paid someone, you guys, to build my, uh, my mobile site, not my, not JonathanStark.com, but my other, uh, consulting website, it was like night and day. And I've hired people to do design on my site in the past, you know, years ago in the past and been burned, really burned, like thousands of dollars for, for CSS that I threw out because it was terrible. And, and the, you know, and it took forever. And then to turn around and have this experience, like, like business owners cannot stand the feeling of, we don't know how much it's going to cost. Here's an estimate. We can't tell you when it's going to be done. It's the worst. And I suppose the, I suppose the only analogy that people might be familiar with if they've never done that is when you're paying someone to work on your house and they can't give you a price, they just give you an estimate and then they start, you know, they get to work and then, you know, six months in, they're still tracking mud through your house and it seems like it's never going to end. And it's, it's just the worst feeling. So it, yeah, it's just night and day. So, okay. So I'm, I'm imagining that your close rate is insanely high. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is currently, but I, and I don't know what you consider insanely high, but I'd say, I don't know. It depends. Like maybe half the meetings we have, we, we do projects with something like that. Um, and are you still we, getting a lot of leads from Squarespace? Um, yeah, we're still getting a decent amount. We've really diversified a lot. Uh, we've really tried to focus on um, kind of staying in touch with our existing clients, and that's really helped with referrals and um, stuff like that, trying to provide more value to them over time and stuff. So a lot of referrals, uh, but still we get some Squarespace leads, not nearly as many, just because, I mean, there's hundreds of people on that list now. Uh, but, I mean, Squarespace also has featured us in other ways recently, which has been great. Um, and that's helped as well, but, um, but yeah, cool. Okay. So, um, uh, the person you give them a price on the, on the video call, they, maybe they give you the green light. Maybe they have to think about it. They get back to you. What happens after that? What happens after they pay basically? Yeah. So <clears throat> they, um, basically, you know, they pay 50% up front. Um, and then we send them over some information, like a checklist of what to prepare. Um, we send them, um, a place to upload all of their files that they need to give us. Um, and then we have a set aside date where we go ahead and meet and review all their stuff together. And this is prior to the actual site build. So it's great because this gives them a, a deadline ahead of time to kind of present everything to us um, and leaves them about a week in between if they miss anything. And I can't tell you how much that saved us having a deadline for the client where they're like, hey, I have to have my stuff ready. 
Um, because that's one of the, I mean, you know, like that's one of the biggest things with design or development is still waiting on the client when you're mostly done with the project to get you something that you, you know, and you don't have all the information up front. So how can you do a good job if you don't know what's coming later? Yeah. Like, oh, this is um, 10 paragraphs of content, not three sentences. Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. Totally changes everything. Yeah. So um, let me pause there again. Cause I started to keep yeah. interrupting you, but, no, the, go ahead. but the, this, uh, this is the same process I went through, um, where ahead of time you're like, okay, you know, our, we're going to do the build on this Thursday in the future. Um, before that date, by this particular date before then, you need to have uh, a bunch of files, like text files in this Dropbox folder and any images in, in this other, you know, folder next to it. What happens when, you know, and, and this is the question that I get whenever, when anybody, whenever I talk about this and people ask me about the site, they were like, well, where did all the copy come from? And I was like, well, I had an existing site. I just needed to, I just basically copied it, cleaned it up and, you know, put it in a kind of a plain text document format from the existing site. But what, what do you say to people who are, who have none of that? Or does somebody always have that somewhere like in a brochure or pamphlet or like their Facebook profile? Or do they sometimes have to actually write all the stuff for the about page and all the stuff for the contact and the homepage in advance and then get that into the folder prior to you guys working on it? It varies a lot. Um, some people have stuff from a pre-existing site or they have stuff they've written in brochures or, you know, something like that. Lots of times they don't have anything. And sometimes people will say, you know, I really don't know what to say at all. And so, you know, I, usually I'm then just happy to kind of talk them through. Here's the pages I would recommend for your type of business. Here's the types of things you probably should talk about. And, and I also tell them, I don't expect you to have a perfect copy, you know, coming into this. Um, you know, you're not going to write as well as a copywriter would or somebody that's involved in marketing. You know, but if you can give us a draft of the basic information people need, then that's what we can use. And so what we do is when we're building that day, lots of times we'll add in headlines and ideas. And I don't know if you're familiar with the whole story brand framework. Um, it's kind of like a... Um, a way of, of looking at marketing. It's a very simplified version of marketing that can be very useful in certain situations, especially for something like this. Um, it's basically, you know, helping people think about their business from their customer's perspective. Yeah, you be Yoda, um, not Luke. Exactly. Right. Yeah, be, be the guide, basically. Yeah. So, and make your customer the hero. So, basically, we apply some of those principles in a very lightweight way during that day and say, okay, cool. Like let's, let's reword a few of these things to make it more customer centric. Let's, and, and lots of times they might have jargon in it or like, Hey, you know what? Like lots of this stuff, your customers aren't going to understand. So let's reword this in a way that they'll, they'll, they'll get. And I may not write do all the writing, but I'll make suggestions to them and either they can change it afterward on designing it. And that's the beauty of it. Like after the site's designed and built, they've got it ready to go. The copy's in there, but they can go into Squarespace and change the text. Or, you know, then at that point, I refer them to a copywriter and say, hey, you probably should have somebody clean up some of the copy here, make it more professional. Um, and then they can do it afterward. Or if they really, really want to have it all done ahead of time, I'll refer them to like a copywriter or something and say, you know, hey, if you want this to be perfect first time, then go go to a copywriter first. But the thing is, like a website, as you know, a website's never done. So it's better to get something up and functional um, and that's, you know, 90% better than it was. And then, you know, do the last 10% after that and keep tweaking the copy and making it better over time. So everybody does their homework. Everybody does their homework and they put it in you know, the text and, you know, the, whatever the text files and the images in Dropbox or whatever. And mm -hmm. then, then what's the plan for the actual build day? Yeah. So then the actual build day, um, we actually recently implemented a new part of our process, which is kind of a 
um, really helped with this. Previously, we would start, you know, 8 a.m. building um, with that content, you know, grab some stuff, start pasting it into different pages and start structuring the site. But now, actually, um, we have another designer that uh, works part-time and actually helps uh, the day prior to the build, um, build out the basic structure and um, even sometimes start on styling the site and stuff like that. So basically, when I come in at 8 that morning, I've got basically a draft of the site ready to go. So instead of like starting from zero at the beginning of the day, I'm starting with something that the client would probably think like, oh, cool, like my site's built, you know? Um, so <laughs> right, it's kind of right. magical the first time we jump on the video call and they're like, oh, wait, well, you know, like this is, how did you already do this? <laughs> you know? So they think that, you know, so it's kind of a cool customer experience in that way. But I mean, we're technically cheating at this point by doing a little bit of work ahead of time, which obviously they don't care. They love it. Um, but uh, we try to do some pre-work on it that way now. Just it's a little bit for a couple of reasons. One is we can make way cooler sites now because we can spend that day really customizing it and making it awesome. And second of all, um, it's just it makes the customer feel way more at ease to see what they've asked for pretty much at the beginning instead of you know at the end of the day, which is still cool. But it's just nice they feel at ease the rest of the day. Like, oh, you're already this far. Okay, this is going to be great. And so I want my money back. <laughs> they're, already, <laughs> they're already relaxed, you know, and like, hey, this is going to be good. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. That, yeah, I can imagine because you walk in and it's, it's like, because there's still stress. You've, you've, you know, written a check for, you know, 2000 bucks or so. And uh, and you got a referral and you met, we, we met you guys over the video call. But still, you're like, oh, I hope I didn't waste my money. And then boom, you come in and like already it's like, man, it's already working. Like. Could, not that you would stop, but it's like, geez, this is great. Like as as a former boss of mine used to say, you got a lot of points on the board early in the game. Right. So it's super, super huge for the psychology of the engagement, even though it's only a day long. But, you know, imagine in like a, a six month project, get as many points on the board as you can early and it calms them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have as much. There's they're not as when they're not as nervous, there's less micromanaging, fewer meetings. Uh, all of that stuff, a lot less administrative overhead if you can calm them down really early. Okay, so that's great. So then throughout the day, um, unless you've changed it, basically what it was, is I, if I recall, you basically sit on a video call all day, but or more or less, you're like in a, were we in a chat room? How does it work? Yeah, um, yeah, we usually use like a video chat link, one of those really simple ones where you just pull it up in your browser, you don't have to log in or anything. Um, and so we like I had mentioned, like we used to do like all day. It was exhausting, but like we've kind of improved it in the way that's not ex- exhausting for the client or for us. Where we usually touch base for like fifteen to thirty minutes for each meeting, and there might be like two in the morning and like two or three in the afternoon. So a little less, uh, a little less involvement. So the client can be doing the stuff in the background. So we're a lot more careful now to kind of take notes, not do every single change live, you know, because they don't need to see every little thing live, but. Um, and that way it kind of saves their, you know, some, some of their time. And that's kind of one thing I'm conscious of is like, how can I get this process to the point where literally the client has maybe three hours involvement in the whole project, but all their input is taken into consideration and the site's awesome. And they only had to spend, you know, a few hours of their actual time on it. Um, so that's always been a goal. I mean, my dream is that someday a client can just talk to me and then their website is exactly how they want, you know, not to that point yet, but yeah. Um, we'll just wait. The AI is coming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So, so, and I can tell you from from the customer's perspective, and I hope this is useful for the for the audience. I, I it sh- it should be useful to the audience. I hope they're. I hope folks are uh, like 
recognizing how amazing this is for the customer. Like this is so great for the customer to not have to have a huge time commitment, not, you know, not weekly meetings for six months. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, uh, one thing I'll point out that might not be obvious is that leading up to the build day, you know, I, you know, I have a, not a crazy schedule, but it's a little bit hectic and things can come up at the last minute. But I took that day very seriously mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I was like, nope, I got to block out that day. I'm not going to have any meetings. I'm going to be available. And like you said, I think we only had three meetings the whole day or maybe four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, and, and they were relatively short, but I took it I, because the time commitment was so low compared to the outcome. I was, uh, you know, on an emotional level, I was like, it was fine to me to block out a day to kind of um, just be available to answer anything immediately. And, and honestly, I just, it, the customer experience is so amazing. I think the only, the only things we really talked about were like, I remember colors. There's like one color that I was like, cause the direction that I, and this, I think this is also informative, hopefully when you guys asked me about colors, I was like, and you guys asked me about colors and fonts and the thing, you know, like, do you want it to be more professional looking or more, you know, whatever. And I was like, I don't want to make any decisions about any of that stuff. That's why I'm hiring you guys. I just want the whole site to project trust and expensive, like trust and luxury. I want it to look expensive and trustworthy. You figured out. <laughs> right. And there was like one, uh, there's just one color that I was like, uh, I just don't like that blue, you know, something like that. And we just like tweaked it a little bit live on the fly to a slightly different blue. And yeah. And that was like, and then at the end, and I have people, so now I, I, I don't do that business anymore. So that website's behind a password now. And the reason I didn't take it down completely is because people still ask me if they can see it for an example. People, awesome. people contact me all the time and they're like, Oh, what happened to your mobile website? And I'm like, I don't do that anymore. So I, you know, I took it down and they're like, they're like, well, can I see it? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> go, go to this URL with, and use this password to log in and you can poke around and like get, see the examples. But it, it just, you know, so the reason I bring that up is because I want to express to people that the, the result that I got in an extremely short amount of time for a very fair price to me was, so good that people are still contacting me to see if they can look at it to cut to basically to copy it. And like that, you know, that is basically like, so if anybody's thinking like, Oh, well it can't be that great. You know, they didn't take that long. It couldn't come out that great. Or the client is so involved with the design. It probably looks like garbage. That's not the case. It comes out great. So, okay. So at the end of the day, once everything is sort of satisfied, how do you disengage? Like, cause like you said, websites are never done, done. So how do you disengage? What's that sort of, you know, what's that moment when you're like, okay, we're done here. Here are the keys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It, it definitely varies. But uh, one thing is setting expectations up front. So I like to say, Hey, um, cool. We'll, you know, here's the plan for today. The plan is to wrap up by four o'clock. As far as our calls go, I'll have a little bit of stuff to do after that from four to five. Um, but plan will be to let you go by four o'clock and then, so let them know like, Hey, you know, our last call will probably end at this time. Um, and then I'll do any final wrap up things that I need to kind of tweak on the site at that point. Um, you know, and sometimes a, a site will, you know, sometimes the project will go a little longer than you expect, you know, and so I'll, I'll let it go longer. Um, but like you kind of said, like I, I set the expectation of like block out your whole day 
and then surprise them with, hey, you know, you don't have to spend quite the whole day doing it. And so then they actually feel like, oh, I have a pretty relaxing day where they're able to have more energy to make these big decisions. You know, it's a pretty important thing. So uh, people, you know, I don't want them to be stressed about it. So that helps a little bit. And then also just um, at the end of the day, we just, like I said, we tell them expectation-wise to wrap up by four. I tell them that at the beginning of the day so they kind of know, oh, okay, I'm going to get off a little earlier than I thought. Um, and then, you know, just letting them know as well, like, Hey, here's the things that we accomplished it. And this is part of even the upfront stuff is letting them know, you know, you have the ability to edit copy. So let's not focus on the copy today. Let me spend all my energy giving you the most value, which is in the design, you know, and I'll do some little copy tweaks, but let's not change all, all the little things that you see, you know, that's something you can tweak later. Um, so a lot of it comes down to being like, at the end of the day, shifting a few things to them, which I tell them up front, you know, like, hey, by the way, like at the end of this project, since we're going to focus on the most important stuff, I'm going to always make sure that high priority is first, but we can always work on this website. So at the end of the day, we're going to finish it. And then I might have a few things that you need to do on your end. Like, hey, maybe you have team profile pages, you know, and you have 20 team members. Maybe it makes more sense for me to work on the design and you duplicate the team member pages and add in their bios, you know, mm-hmm. just little things like that. And then they understand it's more of a partnership and that they're still going to do some work on the project. It's, you know, it's not like we do every single thing unless it's a pretty small site, you know, right. It just depends on the situation. But I think it's part of just like setting those expectations up front to let them know when we're going to end. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, we're running even longer than I thought this has been, this has been super fun. So thanks for sharing all that. Um, I've yeah, got for sure. One final sort of question is I, I want to get, just get a sense. Doesn't, you know, you don't have to go into real specifics, but I want to get a sense of how sort of systematic this process feels to you now. Not that you, you know, won't change it and tweak it over time, but it sounds like you have it down to a science and there, there's some art to it in, in dealing with the customer and setting expectations. But this feels like something you could almost train a, like a, it feels like you could hire a, you know, another company. If you had the leads, you could hire more people and just repeat this process without, um, and you could kind of scale up this service in a, in a, a really, um, without sort of, violating your principles of delivering great work and and so on and so forth. It feels very repeatable. Or here's another way to put it. I had John Warlow on the show recently. He's the guy that wrote Built to Sell. It feels like you could actually sell this service business because it's down to such a system that it wouldn't have to be you. Like it doesn't have to be you. It just needs to be someone who has the same sort of, you know, that knows how to deal with clients. Yeah. That, yeah, actually, I, I did kind of replicate myself with another designer uh, recently. He ended up um, going full-time with his other business. Um, he had another business going, and I'm, I'm super happy for him that he was able to go full-time with that. But I did train him, and, and he was doing most of most of what I do now. So um, it is possible to some degree. Obviously, you have to find just the right fit. I think the challenging thing with this is just that you have to find somebody that is very good uh, with clients. It has a lot of experience as well as being a good designer. So you have a really good designer, but somebody's also great almost at sales in a way. I don't like to think of it as sales personally, but that's kind of what it is in a way. It's just how do you present yourself and make sure that the way you're telling people things doesn't concern them. Instead, it's presented in a positive light or whatever it might be. You know, mm-hmm. The way you present problems is you know, pre- present kind of solutions along with them and stuff. But just little little things like that, I think, can be tricky because it's it's a intense, quick process. So you have to be really good at communicating as well as a good designer. So that's like the two biggest skills I feel like you have to have for that to actually work. 
Um, but yeah, I have considered it, and it's still potentially on the table at some point. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it is definitely down to almost a science. I mean, we have checklists for almost every part of the process that we go through, so that we can learn from our mistakes and and update it, you know, um, consistently. Um, but I was also going to tell you, just there were two more quick parts of the process if oh, you want to hear them. Yes, yes. But uh, <clears throat> so the after the so the content meeting, the site build day, and then we actually added in a third part, which is the follow up session, which is like another thirty minutes to an hour, where we like basically they take because there's always things that are going to be left over, so we want to have like a little catch all of like maybe they go in there and like you know actually I want to switch out this icon later or I want to do this little thing it's kind of a catch all where that we can come back together and make any final changes cuz I want to leave the project with a nice bow on top you know not just like something unfinished or whatever mm-hmm. so basically it gives them some time to go through the site you know figure out how to use it we can kind of train them on more stuff during that session and stuff if they don't know how to do something um, so that's kind of the follow up and then we actually added like a subscription service as well it's like it's pretty cheap. It's thirty bucks a month, and you get up to ten minute sub changes on your site per week. So it's like they can we kind of have like a dashboard where you can submit a request, kind of like a ticketing system. And then you know if it's something small that it's quick to do, we'll just go ahead and take care of it for them. So it's kind of a good ongoing way to stay in touch with them, as well as an ongoing way to uh, for them to get help. You know, if there's something small they want and they don't want to book us for a whole hour session or something, it's just like, hey, can you tweak this or can you replace this team member photo for people that don't want to use Squarespace? So uh, it just makes it super easy for them. So that's just the kind of the other part that makes the rest of it work is that we have ways to catch the little tiny bits that fall outside of that too. Um, Excellent. Outside of the bit build days. So. Excellent. But yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Where should people go to find out more about you online? Um, I would just go to knapsackcreative.com. Um, I write a blog there kind of about tools and tips and things that we've learned at Knapsack um, that I want to share with other people and hopefully help them be successful with their businesses too. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Ben. Absolutely. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it. All right. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and you've been listening to Ditching Hourly. Hope you join us next time. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about how to ditch hourly billing, please go to valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my free email course. Again, that URL is valuepricingbootcamp.com. Thanks. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time. Or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space. Or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.